You are listening to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. Swung on, lines the deep left field, it is gone! It went, deep right, Batista's going to wave goodbye, start the fireworks show! This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 151. I am your host, Matt Lyons, and in this week's episode... We'll, of course, talk about trade rumors and the trades that happened at the trade deadline, including Mike Clevenger being in San Diego, and talk about the Indians and their place in the AL Central. And, of course, we'll answer your questions. Joining me for all that and more is Mr. Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how are you doing? Hi! I'm good. I just found some more dried puke on my desk from my cat when I was off for a week. So, literally, as you were speaking, there you go. So, there you go, Lynn That's what I've been dealing with is secreted away vomit from my cat because she loves me so much and was mad I went left for two and a half days. Cats. This may be the worst intro of all time. How about we talk about meatballs, Merritt? Meatballs. Of course, the meatballs is where we talk about fun little tidbits, uh, meatballs of information that we serve up over the plate. I'll let you go ahead and go first this week with yours, Merritt. All right, I'll go stick with, uh, I might have two. I don't know. We'll see. The first one's a little bit more concrete and cohesive. Uh, but um, our old friend, not old, pretty new friend, Phil Mayton had another uh, two outings this past week. He was once again great, um, held the opposing team hitless, um, I think maybe give it a hit, but runless, you know, struck out some people, continues to be amazing, but I was curious to see just kind of where he ranked uh, among the larger crop of relievers out there, uh, and you know what? Wouldn't you know it, Matt? He ranks pretty well. He is actually 10th in all of baseball among relievers in whiff rate, that's swinging, swinging strike rate, and 30th in strikeout rate, which is great. I mean, there's a lot of relievers out there. Um, I'm sure 20, that probably one on every team that's better than Phil Mayton. The Indians have one that's built better than Phil Mayton themselves. So, you know, I mean, if he's top, you know, echelon strikeout, and yet he's 114th in fastball velocity among all relievers, which I, I don't know. I mean, this kind of folds into my, what was going to be my second, uh, what, what do you call, meatball of mine. But he just gets it done with secondary stuff and a fastball that's not bad. I think it's still an above average velo, but... I'm just impressed by his continued ability to be um, kind of like a rich man's uh, Whitgren. Whitgren's first name is wow. Nick. Nick, <laughs> Nick Whitgren's <laughs> name just shot right out of my head. So yeah, kind of like a rich man's He's Nick Whitgren uh, with the spin rate, basically. Basically, I mean, honestly, I was going through some spin rates, some spin rate stuff over the week, and you know, and again, I, I'm going to say this every time we even start talking about spin rate, spin rate itself is not the end all be all but if it's used well and in his case it's just so goddamn high uh it's and working you know it's good spin it's not gyroscopic spin that continues to be just be hard to hit i mean at this point he is their second best relief pitcher uh whether you want to look at the numbers you want to look at the numbers behind the numbers everything that you're seeing is real and that's i mean it's not 0.084 era real but neither is james karen checks 1.02 era real really Things will level out a little bit. We saw James Karinchek look a little bit more human this past week. Uh, but I just was curious to see, again, where Mayton was in terms of strikeout rates and doing it all with things that aren't, that isn't the typical way to do it. Even, you know, even Karinchek is throwing uh, incredibly hard. So, you know, he's throwing 96, 97. Mayton's around, what, 93, 94. I, th- I think he could theoretically hit 95, but, you know, we'll see. Anyway, that was kind of a, a part of a meatball, I guess, a meat slice. Uh, so yeah, that was a good one. Uh, my my meatball I'd, was uh, Tyler Naquin. He hit a home run off Adam William Wright on Sunday. Um, it was the second inning. The Indians, I believe the game was tied at that point. There was one runner on base. For God knows what reason, Adam Rainlight threw him a low changeup, which is literally what you don't want to throw out Tyler Naquin. He hit it 110 miles per hour. He hit it um, miles per hour. And he hit it. It was had to be reviewed. I didn't actually see it live. Um, I, I don't remember what I was doing, but... I, I I just saw it today for the first time. I was like, wow, that is an incredible home run that he hit. Because it was just a line drive home run. Because he, obviously, he's Tyler Naquin, so he took a low ball and just shot it in the right field. Um, he pulled it, and it had to be reviewed because it was so close. But, I mean, the, the meatball out of all this is why the hell are pitchers still doing this? <laughs> Do they Did they <laughs> see me criticizing Tyler Naquin and, <laughs> and they hate me? They, if, if, if they would just stop throwing him low pitches, I would be right. The Tyler Naquin isn't good, but he keeps proving me wrong. So now I'm just trying to gaslight Twitter and say that I've always been a lifelong Naquin head every time he's successful because at this point, if they're going to throw him low pitches, he's going to be a Hall of Famer because he hits every single one of them. He comes in clutch, and I can't deny loving Tyler Naquin anymore. Um, I think it started ironically, but at this point, if he's going to keep getting pitches to hit and he can hit 
his pitches so well, which I think that alone is a skill is that if you can, because even if pitchers are targeting to throw, to not throw low to you, if for some reason they weren't ignoring this very obvious flaw he has, they still wouldn't be able to do it every time. They would still fail once in a while. And when they do, like Tyler kills it every time. He's that's just he's good at doing that. It's not just a thing where it's just a weakness of opposing pitchers. It's just Tyler Naquin is great at hitting low balls. And the second one of your pitches drops too low, he's going to hit it 110 miles an hour to the right field pole. So I thought that was cool. It's his hardest hit of the year. Um, one of his hardest hit ever, but not the hardest hit ever. He's hit, he's hit some bullets, which of course were all low pitches. But um, this particular one was low and inside, and he just took it and hit it to the outfield. Adam Wainwright, you've you've been around long enough to know not to do that because he's Tyler Naquin and he's ridiculous. Uh, but obviously, with with the date that it is today, as of this recording, is August 31st, the trade deadline is gone. Um, it ended at 4 p.m. There's no waiver wire. So when that hit, it was done. Um, so we saw what teams did. Last year, of course, Zach Greinke was traded basically over the deadline because the deal was done at the last possible second. There wasn't quite as exciting ones this year. I mean, especially for the Indians, they made their one big trade for the Padres, or with the Padres. Um, and we actually pushed back our recording because on Sunday... It, it all of a sudden, like right around when we would have started, um, there was a bunch of rumors that Clevenger was either basically already on the Padres or there were several teams um, bidding for him. But the best it sounded like a whole bunch of in the world yes, broke this. By Bob the way. Nightingale, <laughs> he was all over this. <laughs> I mean, I, I tweeted at one point that it's like he just gave the Indians his password and went to bed because like everything he was saying was clearly the Indians trying to drum up more um, trade value and interest. And I guess after all of that. I don't know how well it worked because <laughs> to run down what they got real quick. Um, obviously, if you haven't haven't noticed, if you're listening to this podcast now, for some reason, the Indians traded Mike Clevenger um, to the Padres. They got three major leaguers, uh, Josh Naylor, an outfielder. He's a 12th round pick in 2015. He's okay, I guess. He's a below average bat in, in the majors, but he came up through the minors really quick, um, which is something I want to talk about with the Indians of how they probably valued him. Um, they also got a reliever in Cal Cantrell, who at this point, I, I believe the Indians can make a Cy Young out of anybody. So sure, bring in another reliever. Um, he's a big sinker, two-seamer guy who does a lot of tunneling, which that should sound very familiar. Um, they got a catcher in Austin Hedges, who's a great framer. Um, a terrible on offense. I think the the biggest fear there is that it gives them an re- easy reason to not accept or not pick up Roberto's option, which would kind of suck because he's basically just Roberto Perez again. He's a great framer. He's great on defense. He can't hit. So I don't know how we'll see. He's just cheap. He's a cheaper Roberto Perez if they have him. But um, we'll talk about the prospects in a minute, Merritt. But what do you think of? I just, just I'm the, sorry, the immediate impact of what they got. You just, I'm jumping ahead here. You just as you walked through those, I didn't piece it together until just now. But you just literally described the type of player the Indians always get: a pitcher we've never heard of. They turn into a Cy Young, um, a catcher who can't hit but can frame like a god. They got. An off a corner outfielder who can't hit, and they got a couple middle infielders with that, who are who are toolsy and athletic. Oh my god! The entire <laughs> it's thing. the same thing every time. Yeah, every time. That's what the whole system is made of. And the other thing what about Naylor hell? too is that he's a guy that was young at every level, and that's the biggest. That's the yes. biggest like Indians earmark that he's only twenty three now, and he was like twenty two or twenty one in AAA. So their big thing is that there's young guys coming up. But yeah, it's the what? same Holy type of guys they always get. Every time. It's like, no, we need to follow our <laughs> template. Why? Come on. Can't we one more time go after, a, say, this friend Reyes type? No, we tried that once, and look how it worked out. It worked out great. Yeah, but what if it doesn't work out again? I mean, we, <laughs> I'm we too can't scared. Go, we, can't, we can't go through that risk, all right? We got to relax and just go, oh my god. Um, sorry, I just as you were going through that, my mind was exploding. So I mean, they have types. Right. You can't deny that they have types, right? Exactly. I, 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 the problem is the types don't work on offense yet. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I mean, we've been saying it since Trevor Crow, probably, but eventually one of these outfielders has to hit, right? Remember James Ramsey? That was an end that popped into my head today. <laughs> See, yeah, you don't remember James Ramsey? Everyone, yeah. God damn. Um, <laughs> no, I remember James. Randall. He was the same kind of thing. He was yeah, came, came he over was from the Cardinals, up, wasn't he? Some, de- yeah, exactly. So I don't know. It's just whew. anyway. You were saying what was the question you had for me before my head exploded? <laughs> just your general thoughts on just what they got. I mean, the, the Josh Naylor. I guess we can start with him. He's the biggest. I, I guess maybe some of the prospects are bigger. But as far as the trade now, like you want impacts now. Your your outfield is garbage now, and you have a great staff in Francisco Lindor, and they got Josh Naylor. Okay, so here, this is actually a, a thought I wrote down this, this afternoon, and this is something that we've talked about, and several of us have written about on the on the site, right? If only the Indians had a league average outfield offensively, right? We've said this over and over and over, haven't we? 
I think we've been monkeys pod is what's going on here. Because it's happening. <laughs> we kept They're saying get- league average. And they- yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> we never said, hey, let's get that big offensive bat, or offensive outfielder. No, we're always like, if they could just get to league average. And you know what? I mean, that's kind of what we're going to get to Josh Naylor. Where Tyler Naquin at this point is playing above his head, but his career league average bat. Uh, they'll figure out center field or something. I don't know. But it's just, I, I, I think that's what's happening here. By accident, they, they're, they're, like, they're right. We don't need to go for big bats. We just need to maintain what we're doing. Um, I mean, I, again, I will say it's slightly more they, average. Yeah. What they've always done is, is, is accentuate their, their strengths, which is obviously pitching. And so you do good defense around that to make the pitching even better. But I don't know. I'm not as uh, as down on I, – I, I just looked at – I mean, I, you know, I'm an idiot. So I just went and go through those home runs. Uh, and uh, he hit a couple of home runs that were like at his head. But he has some stupid power, man. He's incredibly strong. Uh, and he does, Fangraphs gave him a 70 in a scouting. So he has power exactly. somewhere. <laughs> and like he yeah. has like weirdly high contact rates. He just does, he just doesn't walk ever. So, you know, I mean, it's not a huge career numbers, but he has a 90% contact rate, uh, zone contract. It's still 80% contact rate, which is pretty good for, for how hard he swings. So, um, I don't know, Russell Branion, like <laughs> something like that. Like, I don't know, uh, or... Uh, a young, um, what's it? Was his name? Uh, Reynolds, Mark Reynolds, you know, something like that. It would be cool for him to walk like he did last year, nine percent of the time. So this year, two point six percent of the time. But I think maybe he's somewhere in between that. He's always, he always walked okay in the minors. He never struck out a whole ton. So, like I said, you know, we're talking about a league average, a league average bat with I think upside. And a couple people mentioned this on Twitter. I think they just really believe in themselves, the Indians as an organization, to be able to develop players and maybe to a level of almost hubris in that sense that they think that they can take, you know, if two of these guys turn into something resembling an everyday player and they get one all-star out of it. And like to say that, that the Indians aren't going to be successful in developing one of the players that they get um, is at this point a fool's errand. They always end up being, that was, and always end up finding something somewhere, right? Like even if it's not the guy we think it's going to be, whether it's Carlos Carrasco or I mean, do they find batters though? I mean, they take, they, they I mean, they got, the they got the time, Michael Brantley. Brantley, they, yeah. They, that counts, they yeah. did trade. I mean, Carlos Santana was another guy they traded for. Uh, Jan Gomes had a couple of really good seasons at the plate before he started getting hurt and started falling apart. Uh, and he, again, and he was also a great defensive catcher. Um, I'm trying to think of anyone else that they have who can actually hit. Uh, <laughs> There's three in the last decade. Well, that's I mean, Jose three. Ramirez counts. He's not a trade, but he's right, someone exactly. they developed. They could count but, that yeah, in their hat as like, And again, like these are not bad players. All those guys made at least one all-star team. Uh, for whatever the measurement that is, you know, I mean, Brantley got big time M- MVP votes one year. Uh, so did Ramirez. Um, uh, Gomes is now world champion, which is pretty cool for him. <laughs> for him, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I trust uh, them to do anything with any pitcher, but it's just because, uh, like you said, I think uh, I think it was Jeff Ellis mentioned that on on Twitter. Was it him who said that the Indians look like they feel they can just? Or no, was it? I don't know somebody. No, it was TJ Zoop. That's who it was. Um, that's who baseball it was. Okay. He said that he, the Indians feel like they can just take whoever they want and turn and it mold into, gold. Them into yeah. these players, which I agree with. Yeah, I think that's that's the way they probably feel. I just don't know how much I trust it quite yet. Right, exactly. And even like, like the prospects, the off- like Gabriel. I'll go ahead. Well, I was just gonna, the offense hasn't shown up for many of these guys. Yet, you know what I mean? And, and like they keep on drafting these uh, young, athletic, toolsy middle infielders. And granted, they're blocked constantly because they've, they've had Francisco Lindor since 2015 or whatever. Um, but like, is Yu Chang good? We don't even know. Are any of these other guys they have down there? Are they good? George Valera, that's one of them, right? Yeah. So they have like, they have all these guys down there who they might be good, they might not be, but they never get a chance, and then they're just, they're just blocked for eight years because of Jason Kipnis for some reason. <laughs> now, how much of this is going to change, or how much is this affected by the fact that I guess Sandy now, but if if Tito even doesn't want to play, I, I don't know how much we want to put on the managers, but if they don't, if Josh Naylor struggles for three games and then doesn't get consistent playing time, are we going to burn down the city? Because I mean, I mean that's I think, this is what they traded for. If he doesn't do well, and they just go, oh, right. forget it. We'll just use. But that's the thing. I can't like, even think at, of who they put in there now. Like at this point, what else are you going to do? Like, the people they've been rolling in the left field have been who, right? Like it's been Domingo Santana, who then gets replaced in the seventh inning, and he's gone. And the guy that they used to replace him is also gone. He was involved in this trade as well. Which, by the way, goodbye, Greg Allen. We'll all miss you. I mean, I know Matt won't because he's mean, but I will. I care. But yeah, other guys who play left field for them, like it's, it's a murderer's row of just, ugh. and it's a murder so, row. It's it's a, it's a murdered row of human beings, is what it is. <laughs> it's a bunch of dead people. Uh, so I, it's, at this point, like again, if he performs, and like when we say league average, 
Right now, literally, Francisco Lindor has an exactly 100 OPS plus. League average, 266, 325, 432. Uh, we have a that's month like their best left. outfielder immediately. <laughs> right. Oh, I, oh, exactly. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, it stretches out the lineup a little bit more, and it does things like that. And then if he starts to whatever, like, I don't know, hit a little bit more or walk a little bit more, then it's a huge win for them in the short term. And if, again, if one of these guys turns into something, because there was another pitcher in there too that who I think seemed interesting as well. Uh, Owen Miller, maybe? Yes. No, he's the Owen, no. Joey Cantillo is the sorry. pitcher. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, Joey Cantillo. Who, yeah, he is okay. really interesting, though. He's a... So, I mean, again, there's these guys here who are like, oh, they could be in yeah, All right, that's kind of neat. But I just, I, like I said before, I think it's almost like, it's almost hubristic that they're just like, yeah, we can totally turn these guys into gold. Look how many times we've done it before. Wait, what times? Shut up, shut up. So, you know. And yeah, they also, I mean, they got Gabriel Aria, so there is a lot of upside in the. He's, if, if they didn't already have a dozen shortstops in the minor leagues, you could tell, like, this is the guy that's going to take over for Francisco Lindor, but they also have Mike Freeman, who's probably better. Um, I, I don't know if somebody's going to get flipped eventually, one of these minor, these shortstops they have. I guess they're just sort of, maybe they've realized the, the value of having a great shortstop, having Lindor. Like they want to make sure they have one in their next core, and they've got Arias, Freeman. I'm sure there's several others. I, I know there's several others that they have. Um, but I mean, one of these guys is eventually going to take over for Lindor, whether, I mean, it's going to be after this year or next year. Um, and it, it might be Arias, it might be Freeman, but they have one of these guys, one of them's going to get flipped, I think, or somebody's going to move somewhere, but they're, they can almost field an entire team of shortstop prospects at this point with the way they're, yeah. they're no, building them up, but I'm not sure it's, it's like they're doing to the to shortstop at this point, like they were trying with the outfield, but there's like, surely this one will work out, right? What? Oh, all right, I don't yeah. feel like any. I guess some of the outfielders were high upside, right? Like Zimmer was, Frazier was. Like, yeah, I guess right, right. Well, this is the same exact thing, isn't it? So you know, I, I, again, if one of these guys works out, that's great. It's just you really wish that, and I think someone pointed this out. I don't know who it was. Maybe it was one of us in the in the Slack chat. Um, but it was like at this point, how many of their starting pitchers are making over a million dollars a year? Even I don't think any of them. Right? Car- uh, Carrasco is the only one who's making more than a million dollars a year uh, right now. And he's making five million dollars or something. He's a, he has such an absurd contract. Yeah, I think the number was Clevenger was only one over five or something like that. Yeah, okay. it was and some he's gone, that so he was yeah, above. yeah. So, so he's not so actually, anymore. Yeah. So um, Carrasco is making ten point two right now, which again for for what he does and what he's been so far is an insane contract. And the fact that everyone else is making five fifty or whatever, probably after this year, Bieber hopefully unless they can extend it, extend him somehow. Uh, is going to be making like a million change or something like that. But I think it's, it would be nice if they could take some of that money they're saving there and put it towards, I don't know, a superstar shortstop. <laughs> what am I, crazy? <laughs> you know, somebody you could extend or something? I don't know. You know, a, a player that the man. entire fan base is uh, head over heels for. And, and you know, one of the rare players. He's also one pull- of the best players in baseball. Right. It, like, imagine if you had a guy who, even if he had an extended cold spell, everyone still like loved him unconditionally. Imagine if you had a player like that. Who was the center of everything and, and a total driver of culture, energy, attitude, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, a face of baseball type, nice? if you will. Wouldn't that be nice <laughs> if you had some money set aside to pay him? Anyway. Yeah. And I think um, one of the other things I saw about this trade is um, obviously people don't like the fact that the Indians traded another potential Cy Young pitcher. It's their third in three years. But I, I think it's also not. We've talked about this before that their their plan has always been from the beginning to not sacrifice everything for one year, but to always be in it every single year. And this serves that that strategy really well. I don't think Clevenger going out in Chicago really changed when or how they would trade him. They got three playoff appearances to to deal from him, and they did that. Um, the, the value of three playoff appearances for somebody to use them in. Um, and obviously, like Josh Naylor is not Fran Reyes. They didn't get that quite back, but they also got a bunch of depth in there. Right, they got the um, who's going to help with the next so. score? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Owen Miller is is pretty high up in the minor, so he might be up like next year to help out. So I don't know. It's I, I get trading Clevenger if you're not going to pay for everybody to keep him on. They just have to keep having this churn of. Um, and, and one of the things, like I saw somebody, um, he was like going on and on about how. I mean, obviously the Indians are cheap. That that's not it's nothing. <laughs> you can't dispute that. But but the fact that like. They everybody's saying like this is all they're going to a rebuild now or whatever. Like, no, this is yeah, they're right? purposely avoiding these long rebuilds. This is this is their way of not doing that. It's almost like that I was... hate that the Indians have this false um salary cap they put on themselves, but also the front office is, is doing the best they can under this shitty circumstance that the Dolans yeah. have put them under. But exactly. I mean they're, they're avoiding losing for so many seasons, which I'm I'm all for. I think it was 
who was it? It was someone, one of the Fangraphs writers who said that, who just said it was like, this signals some sort of a rebuild. And I'm like, does it? I mean, come on, man. Does it? Yeah. Do, do you pay attention? Do you, I mean, I know you got to pay attention to the whole league, but you know what's going on here, right? Yeah, it was Jensen's. Like, come on. By the way, they've actually traded three Sion caliber uh, pitchers in 13 months. So it's not even yeah, two right, years. Yeah, less than it's, three years yeah. it's 13 months. Uh, yeah. Pretty good stuff. But yeah, like like you said, it's it, it, this is just... I think the fact that we got to enjoy that uh, kind of extended stretch of um, goodness, I guess, uh, was a was a nice combination of luck. We were getting good at the same time, but also uh, the right players agreeing to extensions while they were still cheap because they didn't get good quite enough, quite quickly enough, I suppose. You know, guys like uh, Kluber and uh, Brantley and all these other guys who were just like, you know, they, were, you know, they just didn't quite peak until they – just before the Indians could kind of snatch them, just like you know they did with the '90s. Uh, but again, I don't think the signals signals any kind of a, a huge die off or anything like that. I think it might be kind of like, I mean, worst worst case scenario, honestly, as far as how the team trends the next couple of years will be like the turn of the, the turn of the century, basically, right, right around the 2000 era, era, like right after right after like Manny left and then uh, Tommy left. They were still good, you know. I mean, you look at those teams; they weren't bad. They still had good pitching. Bartolo Colon was great on those teams. Like they were in the playoffs, I think, and it was. Three maybe, yeah. See, I was I'm going to say that there it was it's different than that because I think that was the more traditional route of you you keep extending yourself and extending yourself and sinking your farm system and then eventually you're left with like you're left with being the early 2000s Indians or the Royals now as you you had this big team and then you refuse to like sort of even yourself out so you're good for a while and you win a World Series maybe or you don't when you're the Indians. And then you're left having to do this big rebuild and teardown. But I think the Indians now are avoiding doing all that. They're not quite the that same early 2000s Indians who had to do that because they I guess that's true. They I weren't mean, winning. They, they were all aging. I mean, they didn't really. That's the thing. Even then, like, they didn't really bottom out. Oh three to oh six, they were fourth, third, second, and fourth, and first again. So I, mean, I guess they just. I think having the 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 ability to produce the, and the luck, obviously, part of it, to, to produce the pitching they've been able to, definitely makes it a bit more of an even flow into it all than a uh than if it's all driven by offense and no pitching just because and we talked about this before the pitching just makes everything so much easier like if you're only allowing three runs a game you have you're gonna win a lot of games even if you have a shit offense as we have seen the last two years so you know it's they they, they just happen to be the that opposite of that team that makes it a little bit easier to absorb that i mean you have two teams coming up behind them uh i think the white Sox are a bit more of a threat long term than the twins perhaps um uh, i mean i don't know if that's a real thing or not but if you look at the trade deadline too i don't think either of those teams really did anything to boost themselves ahead of the indians i think if anything the indians once again getting a league average bat of all goddamn things uh is actually what's going to do it for them which is insane to think but i do think it's what's going to be the uh, it, it's, it's amazing to think a guy who's going to hit 260 is going to be the, the, the keystone to an entire season. But the uh, so with the trade with, I, I think the way it's set up now, like the the Dolans are so lucky they have Chris Anthony. But eventually, if he leaves and goes somewhere where he gets money and he's doing his successful thing, like the Indians are screwed. Like working under this tight of budget they have, they're so lucky that they've been good at building the organization they have. Like if. If the infrastructure gets torn out from under them and all these guys leave and go other places, they're going to have to get so lucky again, or we're going to be in like a miserable long <laughs> period of Indians baseball before I will, they get I back. Because I don't think a normal team could be this good for this long under. I mean, I will say that, and th- this is that I still firmly believe that this is a there's an unbroken string between John Hart and today, right? This is all in essence the same organization. Like they have new ownership and everything, but like. The general manager didn't change at all. We keep on trying to point. I even saw a guy say it on on, uh, on Twitter the other day. You know, like talking about Mike Clevenger, how good he got. He's like, oh, thanks to Carl Willis, right, guys? I was like, Carl Willis? Of all the people, what are you talking about? But this is, I mean, we, we keep on trying to point to a single, like a singular person who is the driving guy beyond this. And I just don't, don't think there is one at this point. They keep on losing people, right? Uh, I mean, Shapiro, 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 right? Mark Shapiro? Okay, yeah, he left in twenty whatever. Like they still have an entity step stepped right in, and I, if any team got you know, got a little bit more neat to pay attention to, and, and even behind him they have Chernoff, who is making as many you know he's been he's been there for forever too. Uh, they keep on getting guys poached from them, yes, but I think that's because like, organizationally there's a there's a structure there and there's a 
I mean, a calcification can, can, can eventually kind of creep in and cause some kind of stagnation, but I don't know where that would come from, right? They keep on letting the guy at the top go so new ideas get to creep in. So maybe that's the positive there. You know what I mean? Like now that maybe Chris Antonetti will go away and they'll change it. But you, you look to a team that I think is, of all the few teams that are in even more dire straits than the Indians when it comes to financial restrictions, and you look at the, the Rays. They lost uh, Andrew Friedman, who everyone thought was just the guy that made that team c- click, right? They lost Joe Madden, who was the guy that made that team click. And they're the best team in, in the AL right now, basically, right? They kept on doing things in the same organizational way because that's what works. Uh, at the end of the day, there will always be more guys who work in you know finance and stuff who want to get into baseball, and one of you players is a little more than numbers on a spreadsheet and things like that. But, you know, I mean, you'll have guys behind them who will help them think more about baseball. So I don't know. I just, I, I don't think, I'm not really worried about things falling off. Um, I don't see as this or any of the moves they've made the last couple of years as a signaling of any kind of rebuild. This is just what they have to do. And I can't be mad either, you know, because we've been saying they should be doing this for a year and a half, two years. And we've been saying it since, since, since honestly, since they traded uh, Bauer, right? It's like, get trade one of them and get a bat. And they did. And then they kept on trading them. I go, wait, whoa, what are we doing here? <laughs> whoa, oh, oh no. Oh, whoa, now. It's the Andre the uh, Giant gift where he's going, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and, and again, they're filling the holes they had. It just, it would be nice if they didn't. That's why this trade was a little bit off-putting because it didn't really fill any holes. It's like it was this an, an almost indulgent trade. And to be fair, the fact that even now if they traded away another one of these young pitchers, uh, they their fifth starter would still be Adam Plutko, which you know, I mean, I, I, you know, it's he's not. I mean, he's great. a fifth starter, <laughs> like that's what but he should be, not like a seventh yeah, is what he was. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, he's as good as, as as many fifth starters are in on many teams. So, like, he's the fifth starter on the Yankees. You know what I mean? I'm gonna I'm gonna pull that up right now. Who's that? Even it's probably a guy we all heard of because he used to be a star. But that's Jay Happ, you know, or James Paxton, like guys who Jordan Montgomery is listed as their second starter on here. So it's not like. They are like other teams are popping off these wonderful fifth starters or even third starters. You know the Indians are, are blessed with an insane amount of riches, and it allows for them to, you know, compete without being too good, which sucks to put it that way. What do you do? <laughs> and so, one weird thing about um, just where the Indians are, I, I I think I'm ruining the answer now. But do you want to guess which team in baseball is the her, the third best run differential right now, despite I mean, having be- a god awful offense? Is it really the Indians? It's the Indians, yeah. It's um I mean, as of Tuesday night or Monday night we're recording, the Dodgers have a plus ninety, which is what the hell is that? And then um then it's the White Sox at plus forty two and the Indians at plus forty. And, um, and that White comes Sox only had, scoring 142 runs, which is one of the, the least Sox in baseball. Hadn't scored, but, the White Sox scored one hundred and fifty thousand runs in like a three day stretch there a couple <laughs> a couple days ago. So they just they all got hot at the same time up in up in, in Wrigley. Yeah. I mean yeah, this is what the pitching does. Once again, you know, you don't, you can have a sh- just oh, such, a bad. <laughs> it's such a bad offense. But I mean, they're still like, they're right there. Like, this is, I think the Twins might finally be fading, which is fun just because, I don't know, it was, it was fun to hate them. But the White Sox are just such a more fun team to root against, I think, for some reason. They're just a more fun, they're, they're more, they're easily to see as like the big bad villain, which is fun because of the White Sox. They got all these young guys coming up. This is going to be the battle, I think, that lasts longer than the Twins, who were, they still could be a battle for a while because the Twins are are what they have, but they're also not as deep, I don't think, as the White Sox and and built to be as good for long. But we're looking at the future rivalry of the AL Central. I, I think you could call the AL Central like one of the, if not the best division in baseball right now with the, all three teams, um, with the Indians White Sox tied at the top at 21 and 13. The Twins are a little bit behind at 20 and 15. But it, even with the Detroit and Kansas City just dumpstering it back there, it's it's a fun division right now. The Indians are actually yeah. tied with, and of course, because exactly. of the playoff rules, they're all going to get in. But <laughs> yeah, this is what it's this is what it was like to be in the American League East for a while there. I guess, huh? Weird. All right, who is a better <laughs> uh, who's a better heel of a player? I guess Randy Dobnek with his handlebar mustache and glasses, <laughs> looking so villainous, or Tim Anderson, who is just I love Tim Anderson. To be clear, he's so cool, <laughs> but like, he's just, it's hard like, to actually hate the White Sox. That's a good like, point. <laughs> he's just like you're like, my, damn you, Tim Anderson again. It's it's wonderful how also, and I know I mentioned this several times before, but it's just so funny how I follow all these all these twin or these White Sox players or fans on Twitter, and they're all talking about how great they are and how they're just crushing baseballs, and I'm like. Except one series this year. Hmm, what happened there? <laughs> <laughs> because they're all right-handed hitters, and they can't hit yeah. any of the Indians' pitchers. It's wonderful. It's truly yeah, perfect. 
And the White Sox also have like Lucas Giolito, who clearly has the Indians' number with his changeups and so much. Oh <laughs> See, man! But I also love him. He just says like a good dude. He got his no hitter. I was happy for him, and I also hate him. I know. But um, I mean, the White Sox or the the Twins, of course, have Baron Vaughn, Max Kepler, who always seems to kill the Indians. That's true. <laughs> I mean, and, I mean, do you remember like two or three years ago when everybody sucked and it was just miserable to win a hundred games? Like this is so much better. I, uh, you, you know, I what? don't want to miss the playoffs, but I like having two other teams who are good and we can hate. I remember been. last year we we were talking on a podcast about how uh, the entire year prior we were like, boy, I wish there was a race, and then there was, and then the Indians <laughs> yeah. just got smoked. You're like, damn you! And, and, and again, like, uh, like I think last... Jorge Pol- is it Eddie Rosario who hits everything from ankles to uh, ankles to his uh, oh, him and Marwin Gonzalez. Yeah. Oh my God, they're so like they're very irritating. And Baron, and yeah. Baron von Next Kepler is, <laughs> is the best name. <laughs> He's a James Bond villain, and every time he's cruising in on a Zeppelin and hitting home runs, (laughs) and then just cruises off and never Ah, even slows down. ah, Take that, Cleveland! (laughs) Yeah, he's the best slash worst. And even last season, when the Indians missed the playoffs, like obviously I didn't want that to happen, but that was such a more fun season than the season before. That was a blast. This one is great. It's the Indians have they had some downtime, even with the shitty offense, but they're they have rivals who we can get excited to beat and. I don't know. It's fun. And every once in a while, I get to stomp on Detroit for a few games. Yeah, you know, every, and everyone gets along nicely because they all beat up on Detroit. It makes us all feel better. Take that, Detroit. Get out of here. Yeah, although, I mean, I guess maybe Detroit is is slowly starting to... They're on the upward... They're on the very bottom of the upward angle, I think. Yeah, I think they're... They, yeah, they're they've just they, started they've to tick their, up a tiny bit. They, 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 I think they hit their nadir at some point late last year. There was that big sell-off, and then they won like five games. Uh, I think they're starting to kind of turn the tide. The pitchers are starting to show up, and you're like, Ooh, I don't know about that guy. He might be good. Oh, no. We'll see. And I, I mean, the we'll Royals see. just have nobody. <laughs> I don't there's know what they're the team, even dude. doing. That team is, yeah. that team is bereft. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, there's Whit Merrifield, who they just refuse to get rid of, even though he's... They need he's to trade him. Value. He's 35 years old at this point. What's going on there? <laughs> and he's not a free Dayton agent for Moore, like three years, so... Do you remember when Dayton Moore was trying to leave and go be the GM of the of the, of the Braves like a year or two ago? And they're like, "You can't." Was leave. he? Who would hire him? Yeah. Oh, apparently everyone. Well, this was this was like a year or two after they they won the World Series, and so he was you know he was a golden boy because he lucked into like nine straight first overall picks due to being bad at his job. And they, <laughs> how and so, does he like, do it? And then there was there was some some like stipulation in his contract that would allow him to go if it was like a not a lateral move, but like they just determined it was still a lateral move. It had the same amount of control, and so I just remember vaguely hearing that going, "You're trapped there forever, bud." You, you, uh, this is some sort but of who curse. is trapped with like, who in this scenario? <laughs> I think they're trapped the together. Trapped him. <laughs> they got the championship, and then that's it. They're done. They're gonna be bad forever. Dayton Moore is gonna be their general manager there <laughs> forever. For a hundred years, we've been looking at Dayton Moore going, man, he looks great for 140. Jeez. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think there's much coming out of there. <laughs> but I think even Detroit, like, I don't know, three, four years, two, 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 three, four years. I mean, if the Twins can hold on that long and the Indians keep doing their plan of of stringing things along, you could be looking at four really good teams in the division. Because the White Sox are going to, unless something goes terrible, they're, they're on the upward, they're in the 2016 version of what the Indians were. So, I mean, they've got like, Four years before everything sucks and they have to win a World Series or they're miserable. So enjoy it, White Sox fans. And the Royals, or are you know what's going to happen forever, is so. all those teams are going to get pretty good again, and they're all and like the best teams are going to win ninety like ninety one games to win the division. Everyone's going to who doesn't pay attention is going to do what they always do and look at the AL and go look at all these dreadful teams. They're all bad. No, they've just been beating the piss out of each other all like all summer. Look at all oh. these four ninety winners. They're all so bad. Oh, they're all so, okay. What, ninety wins, eighty nine wins, eighty seven and eighty six. Terrible, dreadful team. Not one one hundred winner amongst them. And well, then, no, of course, the it's more like ninety one, ninety, eighty seven, eighty six, thirteen. Jesus Christ! <laughs> how many? What do you say? Uh, we answer some questions every Sunday, or I guess Monday. We ask on Twitter, Facebook, and Let's Go Tribe Discord. Which, by the way, we have Discord. If you want to know, it's on. Um, you can't like search discords. I got to just send out an invite every once in a while, I guess. But check us on Twitter or, or ask me somewhere. I'll send you the link to it. But um, if you want to chat more in baseball, we can do it there. We got a question from there. We got some from Twitter that will answer. Um, the first one I thought was a good one. Uh, at Purple Hat Kid. He actually asked this one before the trade deadline passed. But I thought it was a good question either way. Um, we can just frame it in, the, in what has happened since. But he asked, what would you rank the likelihood of each player with an option being picked up? Meaning Roberto Perez, Carlos Santana, Brad Hand. And he mentioned Oliver Perez, but he doesn't have an option. He's like 100 years old. Um, 
he's just a free agent after this year. So Roberto Perez, um, he has a 5.5 million option. Before the deadline, when I initially took this question, I said 100%. I didn't think there was any way they would get rid of him for Sandy Leone and Bo Taylor and whoever's coming in a few years. But I mean, with with Austin Hedges, I'm a little worried that just because he's so cheap, they might, and he's the same exact player. So I, I still don't think it's likely they're going to decline it. I would say like now it's down to 85% that they pick it up. Um, and then Carlos Santana, 17.5 million for his club option. I said 65% for that one. Um, if he's not picked up and then traded immediately, um, is that what they did with Kluber? They traded before. I can't even remember, but I, I think they could see they could do that if they want to, um, or they might just decline it outright. Cause Carlos Santana is going to be like what? 32, 33. Um, Brad hand, $10 million. I think like 90, 95% they picked that up. I, I don't think they, I mean, a closer is a, a nebulous role at this point, but he's also their closer. I think you, you keep him for $10 million. He's, he's Brad hand. If he's, if he's on, he's good unless he has a terrible second half, but what are your percents? We'll, we'll just call them that for those three, Roberto Perez, Carlos Santana and Brad hand that they bring him back. I think there's a hundred percent chance they're going to bring back um, Roberto Perez. I, I can't, I can't, fathom them getting rid of him i mean maybe in a year or so when they actually get to see more of austin hedges for themselves uh i just the value of having i think that this was demonstrated of having an elite backstop is literally immeasurable right like is those soft things that they do like there's a reason that i think yadier molina is a no doubt hall of famer even though his numbers don't support it i think he's one of the best catchers i've ever seen and he just and i and you i can't tell you why I mean, I mean, there was that that ridiculous uh, the way he got um, Jose that double player that involved Jose Ramirez on uh, what was that Sat Friday or Saturday's game? It was really stupid. It involved a very dumb base running by Jose, but still, <laughs> it's really great. Um, I mean, he ran him down lost. from all the way from behind home plate yeah, to second base. Exactly. That, yeah, gear. that's what it was. Okay, yeah, <laughs> that no, is an untangible. <laughs> yeah, so he just I don't know. There's 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 something to knowing the game, and you know, Rick Manning talks about this, and we love Rick Manning for many different reasons, but he does say insightful things from time to time. And I just he is right that the, the catcher being able to just kind of sit back there and kind of observe everything and understand the game in a more holistic sense than anyone else has to. Uh, having one person to understand a team game in a team way in, in a very individualistic sport, I think, is very valuable. And the fact that the Indians had two of those for a couple of years was so valuable. And we've seen the drop off when you lose that guy when you have a team that doesn't hit very well. If everything is going to be played so thinly on the margins for them, and I have no reason to believe it will stop you being played on, on those thinner margins. Uh, so I just, I think they see the value in too much in, in that, uh, to just have that kind of that, even when you, you give, uh, Roberto a day off, you don't really have a, a drop off in terms of comfort level of your pitchers and, you know, you're having the, the consistent voice behind them when you're developing young pitchers too. I think that was big. Remember, I remember when the Cardinals were pooping out like pretty good young pitchers over and over and over. I think a big part of that was obviously development, but also having uh, Molina there was very helpful too. So I think it's, I, I think it's a hundred percent chance that they keep him around. I, I don't imagine Roberto Perez leaving, leaving for a long time, quite honestly. As for Carrasco, 90% probably. What is it, $12 million or something like $13 million? You mean Santana? Santana? Oh, Santana? They were, I didn't, really, I didn't even realize he had a thing. Oh, yeah. seventeen. Oh, it's oh, a lot. A, it's $17.5 million. It's the most that's a lot. tough one. Now, you know what? They probably not picked that one up, man. That sucks to say, but they, I mean... <laughs> Yeah. Damn. So let's Bobby Bradley there if they think that he can come up and do I mean, anything. I mean, I read I would read that Josh Naylor might move over there first as a more natural position for him. He was a very thick boy last year. He's uh, thinned out some this year, but um uh, damn it. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Don't you hate uh, how it kind of makes sense not to pick up the option? I hate it. Yeah, I do. Damn. So there's probably a forty percent chance he comes back. Um they're saving so much like you can't just have a forty million dollar payroll, can you? You can't just do that. Not in baseball, well, can't ask the Pirates if you can. I that's true, man. Game. But they're but they're not contending. They're toilet team. This is a team that ostensibly is contending, and you're just, it's so confusing. Um, I would say forty to fifty percent on that one. I think there's still a chance because it's still way below market value. They're paying them twenty this year. If anything, they're saving money by bringing it back than they were over this year. I, I could talk. I've made a lot of bad financial decisions in my life, and that that'd be one I would make. Uh, so yeah, I would say. Um, Forty to fifty percent, and it was hand. Yeah, Brandon, ten million. I think they were him. so hoping that he would have a good first half, and they could trade him this year because they don't need they don't need him. <laughs> like they they don't like the fact of the matter is like if Class A comes back, there's no space for hand after the seventh inning, right? I get that point. Yeah, especially that you trade. Know what? I mean, they got. I will say this: I think he might be useful not as a closer, 
But as because um, loogies won't exist anymore, don't exist anymore. Basically, you have to face three people, so you need someone who can get righties out pretty well too, and he can do that, right? Not well, but I think that just performance wise, it's insane to say anything anything other than Karen Jack is taking his job, and then Class A throws a hundred miles an hour. Uh, Maiden's sticking around. That's gonna be a dope bullpen if your fourth best pitcher is, uh, you know, whatever thirty four year old Brad Hand. I also don't kind of want. Karen Chak to be the closer. I like him being the fireman guy. I like if because Brad Hand I think is good enough and just have him be the guy that comes in with no leverage in the ninth inning and be done with it. Like I, I like the idea of having him there because he's not terrible, but he's also good enough to be a quote unquote closer. And you can have Classe, Karen Chak, Maiten, whoever else you want for all these different plug in places. But I don't know if that's worth ten million dollars. I mean, I'll, I'll say. I mean, I would say though that if again, assuming Classe comes back, you just don't have to worry about the seventh, eighth, or ninth inning. It doesn't matter what order they're coming in. They're all, they're all, I mean, I don't, again, I don't see anything out of Phil Mayton that I don't think is real. They have other guys who are in the bullpen also who are pretty good. Uh, they're, they're losing. I think he might, if worst case scenario, take the Oliver Perez role. Um, and there you go. So again, it's a, not a, a, a loogie guy really, but a guy to come in and to knock down uh, left-handed hitters, which I think still has a lot of value. Uh, I don't know if it's $10 million, but again, they're only paying, I mean, I don't even have. I need to put up spot track or something like that. I, I don't. I don't know what. It's not going to be a lot. It's a very no, small number for what they. Exactly. The clubs are gone now. It's going to be tiny next year. I mean, j- just between Karen Check, Mayton, and then Class A, they're all they're all on, on rookie deals, aren't they? Yeah, they're all on pre-arb deals, so they're all making half a million bucks or whatever. So the top three arms are going to cost cost a million and a half dollars. Their top three arms are going to cost another two. So. Already we're talking about Jesus goddamn Christian. <laughs> How can you not bring these guys back? They're backbone players. <laughs> like, shoot, I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, I would say 100%, 100% on hand probably just because I think it's the, the money's there and the, the role will be fine. Carrasco, I think he comes back. It's probably 40 to 50 on, on Santana. Um, so, yeah, thanks for Plackhead for the question. Uh, I thought that was a good one, just something fun to think I about. I agree. That was fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at Glenn Longwell 89 he asked, is Sandy doing a well or poor job as a manager? Putting Luplo in against Wainwright when Domingo was actually good against him seems like a bad call to do, especially coupled with all the other mistakes we made. Um, yeah, I don't know. So what do you – I I mentioned that – I think it was just on Twitter that I said that. I, I felt kind of bad for Sandy if somebody's looking at this this season for their managerial interview. I, I don't think that's right. I think that people look past just this one season. It's not his fault of everything that happened this year with the offense and everything, but – I mean, in general, what do you think about um, how Sandy has done? I, I agree that for trying to make Luplo not a platoon batter is weird. Like Tito's done it before. I, I've never understood the the idea of thinking that Luplo can hit anything. But um, I think Sandy's the first to actually put him and Naquin in the same lineup, which is interesting. Before Domingo was DFA'd, Sandy almost never put him in. Um, a, a big plus is he never uses Adam Simber. I like that a lot compared to how much Tito always relied on him. We've seen him like <laughs> once in the last week, like yeah. that alone right there. Like I am a big Sandy Alomar fan. I'm sorry, Adam, but you're terrible. Um, but yeah, I don't know. So what do you think of, of just Sandy's job so far? Cause at this point he's the interim manager. Cause Tito, I, I think at this point, Tito's not coming back this year. He's, he's had so many issues. I think it's just better for him just and to stay home. Before, and you know, it's, do, do we just have him manage home games? Only 12 home games left. It's crazy to say that, but yeah, you know, so that's like, I don't know. Uh, yeah, fine. You know, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to be. It's it's easy to tank a team season if you're a manager, uh, if you wanted to. But it's hard to really mess things up if, uh, when you when things are still written in stone. I mean, when you have, I think the only time that maybe um, a manager can do a team a disservice would be when you're doing things like playing Mike Freeman when you shouldn't be. I don't know what the hell was going on there. Um, but also, I think there's some credit to be given to him you mentioned it not pitching adam simber very much anymore because he is a pitcher that has no role anymore basically because you have to face lefties and righties and he can't get lefties out this worth a damn um and then his seeing and realizing the value that and the, the you know what got players pitchers like phil maiton are do are providing i'd like to see a little more phil maiton myself i think he's again like i said at this point the second best arm in the bullpen but yeah, I mean, it's hard to say he's using the the, the pitching staff poorly or well. Um, the whole damn thing's on rails for the, for the first six innings, pretty much. Like, yeah, you know. right. There's not a whole lot you have to do when you start a pitcher goes. <laughs> like th- that's the thing. So uh, after that, it's like, like th- three out of five games, he's basically on easy street uh, out of every uh, through the rotation. So uh, yeah, fine. You know, I I I don't know why he never got a look before. Um, 
there's reasons probably why, but like you said, I don't, I don't think this is a good year to really judge him based on a lot of things. And, and at this point, so many managerial things are taken out of the hands of the manager, like especially in like the NL, there's no DH or anything like that. Team seems to be holding together well. Um, they haven't, it hasn't fallen apart. And I think that managing the locker room is, was going to be a huge thing this year. And I think he's doing a great job just doing a clubhouse, I guess we call it in baseball, but um I think he's doing a good job managing that so far. Having good veterans around has been helpful for that. So, yeah, I'd say fine. You know, I mean, inoffensive is what I would call it. Fine. <laughs> I I get the sense that maybe it's um, just the fact that he is not the permanent manager. I know Tito said that he didn't want him to think about – he didn't want Sandy to think about what he would do, just do your own thing. But I feel like Sandy just kind of rides the numbers more, which is nice. I think Tito, for better or worse, like Tito is better at gut instinct things, which works sometimes, and sometimes it results in Adam Simber pitching – three days in a row but i think sandy rides the numbers more which is kind of nice it's unique to see in cleveland that um he's just going with the uh, other than lupo and aquin thing i think is weird but i think for the most part he just rides what the, the sheets tell him which i think is mostly fine well and and honestly at the end of the day especially when it comes to the the limited things that an american league manager can impact you know i mean it's just it's picking the right arm out of the bullpen it's a high leverage moment get karen check in there uh, is it a medium leverage moment? Go with Mahan. If it's the ninth inning, then who cares? I mean, you're going to put hand in because that's just what you're supposed to do all the time. So uh, if it were a more creative manager, who knows what that would look like. But those don't actually exist. This, this, the nebulous idea of the perfect sabermetric manager isn't real. You know what? They always, they, they all, they're, again, they're still human. So, you know, closers still want to exist and things like that. But yeah, I think that's a, an important thing, too, because like if you... If the numbers say use this guy, but this he came to you earlier in the day and said something is is wrong, like even just something at home is messing with his head today or something like that. Like that's things you don't see, but that's it evens out in the numbers eventually. But those are day to day decisions that you have to know to make as a manager, which I think we've Knowing, always talked about yeah. that Tito is like a, a net positive, and I think that's one of the things that helps yeah. him in the but positive. Knowing direction. how your guys are feeling and things like that, I think it's just right. thing we don't we like what, like I was mentioning earlier with catchers. It's one of those things you can't. It's hard to measure. Um, if a guy's a total shithead and but he makes the right choice every time, he's going to be a bad manager in the day. The team's going to collapse, you know. So, and you know, even yeah. even you know, even you know, Francona is isn't immune to that. I mean, I know he got railroaded out of Boston, but I don't think that team was really. I think the team was more than running itself by the end there. So, I don't know. <laughs> right, <it> just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, which seems weird considering how good Tito's done in Cleveland. Like, I guess with a bad group, you could see Tito getting overrun, like with just the laid back nature of him, but he has people that have been in Cleveland players. He've had that have been such good leaders that it, it melds so well with, with Tito. So I think everybody's been here's a, both ends. here's a weird comparison I'm about to make. He's kind of like Sir Alex Ferguson at Manchester United <laughs> because Alex Ferguson would always churn out guys. who are getting too big of head. And this isn't Franco to doing that. Um, he would, he, he cannot keep them around because they get too expensive. So the front office trades them, but he is always like he always has young new guys coming in who he can kind of have his guys, for lack of a better term, kind of impress themselves upon him, impress the importance of Francona on him, on them, and then those got his guys leave. So then the young guys become his guys. So it, it's a it's better than in Boston where they could just hand out the deal to X or Y players and they and they're they're going to be there forever. You know, like Josh Beckett was there for a hundred years or whatever. You know, so there yeah, you go. There's point. my so- yeah. soccer comment for the for, for the night. He's like Sir Alex Ferguson <laughs> without all the championships. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Well, he does have a championship. That's the worst. Yeah, at least two, I think, right? Yeah, he's two of them. Oh, that is right. No, wait. Did he win two with Boston? Yeah, 04 and 07. Yeah, he broke the streak and then he won it again oh, just did. for fun. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so like, imagine, yeah. like, uh, right? Like, imagine if Beckett had left after 07 or something like that or 08 and Schilling had left after 09 or t- 2010. So all it was was like Dustin Pedroia. And Jason Veritek, and then even Veritek leaves after you know. So it's like if it was a constant churn, they're bringing new Pedroyas in every six or seven years. First of all, how irritating that team would be! He was the most (laughs) Tito player on earth. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Like him and Jason Veritek, and then Euclid to a degree too, probably. Uh, Just you know, like even someone like David Ortiz, if he had left after a certain number of years, right? Like that's just the way it is with the Indians. These people leave eventually. They, They play themselves out of town because they're too good. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I just, it's, it's something that I think helps him uh, maintain in this, in this moment. Yep. Uh, yeah. So uh, thanks Glenn for the question there and uh, Merritt, that's going to do it. Yeah. That's going to do it for us this week. Uh, if you're not already subscribed on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen, go ahead, subscribe, leave us a review, leave us five stars. Um, 
Find us on Let's Go Tribe.com, on Facebook, Twitter. And of course, I, I guess just ask me if you want the Discord link somewhere. I'm sure I posted on Twitter before. You can find it. Get in there. It'll be uh, in game threads once in a while. But You'll figure it yeah, out. If you listen and haven't been to the website, <laughs> yeah, go ahead and hop on there and talk about Indians baseball if you want to. It's fun stuff. Um, there. Talk to you next week. I'll be here.